I just want to spend a moment thinking about the Christmas story and thinking about it in a way that, that helps us reflect God's light, helps us remember that that's why we are here to shine and, and point on His light, and that it's not about us. And so in some ways, I'd like to ruin your Christmas a little bit this morning and make it better. And, and when I say that, I intentionally choose my words. I want to ruin your Christmas and my Christmas and our Christmas and make this more about His work and His Christmas. See, so many times we get caught up into our, our, the trappings of Christmas, right? Our expectations, our plans, and, and what we're going to do. I, I was sort of thinking about this as I studied through what I wanted to share and, and each character of the Christmas story pointing their, their light to Christ and always pointing to Christ even when it was inconvenient. And Susie came to me this week and said, I have this great idea. And that's always an interesting way to start a conversation. But, um, and, and she said, what about if we opened gifts and did all of our Christmas stuff Saturday morning instead of Sunday morning? That way, Sunday morning, we can just focus more on worship and going to church and enjoying church family. Brilliant idea. Great idea. The, the right idea. And, and I've got to say, I'm not perfect, because my first thought was, but... but that's, that's not how it works. That's not what Christmas traditions are. I said, now I know I'm a pastor, so I'm going to do the right thing. We're going to go to church and we're going to worship and we'll squeeze in the gifts ahead of time. We're going to do everything. That way our Christmas isn't ruined. Think about that. The challenge is self-centeredness and our Christmas comes in in subtle ways. And, and I was fighting it right then because really, do, do we see worship as an interruption to our Christmas? Do we see coming this way? And I, I, I praise you for being here. I'm glad we're here worshiping together because this is what it's about, right? This is, and we, we get on our kids and they have the Toys R Us magazine out and the Target magazine out and things circled and they're hiding things under your pillow all season and because their focus is all gifts, right? And we're like, oh, they are so self-centered. Well, I think that's something that we need to all ask ourselves this morning. In what ways have we made this our Christmas instead of his Christmas? And so in that way, I would like to ruin our Christmas a little bit just to get us to think. I think it's really good every seven years or so that Christmas is on a Sunday because it serves as a corrective. It serves as a chance to test our priorities. Is Christmas about worshiping the King or is it about my traditions? And so we changed our tradition and we did gifts yesterday morning and we had a great time together even though it was on the wrong day. And we're here as a family worshiping our King with our church family and it is precious. So I'd like to go back through the Christmas story and just look at something that I was already studying before Susie came to me. The Holy Spirit is amazing how he works things out. And I want to look at just a few of the characters. We're going to do this briefly, and, and we're going to look at just a few verses. And what I want us to focus on is how did each character in the Christmas story respond to the inconvenience of God's plan, to the interruption of God's plan, and we'll ask ourselves the question as we go, is Christmas, is our Christmas interrupting our worship or is our worship directing our Christmas? 
I like to start the Christmas story with Zechariah and Elizabeth. And in Luke chapter 1, that's where um, the author of Luke, Luke um, starts with. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist. And that's where the first time we see, after 400 years of silence, God intervening and stepping onto the scene to bring light into darkness. And, and when we think of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Zechariah was a priest, and it was his turn to serve in the temple. They didn't have any kids. They, they were struggling with infertility, and now they were a little bit older and couldn't have kids. And while Zechariah is in serving God in the temple, an angel comes to him and, and, and interrupts his life. He says, you're going to have a son. Your son is going to announce the coming of the Messiah. He's going to be John the Baptist. And, and Zechariah's first response is, how? We can't have kids. We're old. This can't happen. And he struggled with belief and he struggled with how big his God was. And so God responded and said, no, it will happen. And in fact, as a sign, I'm going to make you mute for the next nine months. Boom. And he walks out and he can't talk. And God did what he said. But we get to the end of the story. And and, and each, each of the characters through the Christmas story, I want to focus on the end. In Luke chapter 1, verse 64. And I think we have verses that we can put up. Would you say these with me? And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. What was his first response? Worship. Pointing to God. Pointing to what God had done. It goes on and, and he writes a, a number of things about his worship. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. God worked and intervened. He pointed to God. And that's the the pattern we're going to see with every character in the, the Christmas story. God intervenes. He does a work. They point to God because this is about His glory, not our our fun and entertainment. We move to Mary and jump to Luke and Luke one twenty six, and we see the angel coming to Mary and, and, and intervening in her life and interfering in her plans. She was going to get married, betrothed. Life was going to be perfect. It was all laid out in front of her. And an angel comes and says, you are favored. And she questions that. He says, you'll bear a son. Son of the Most High God. He will be king. He will reign forever. And again, she asks the same question Zechariah asks. How? I'm not married yet. This can't physically happen. And in her mind, she's probably thinking of all the shame, all the, the things that would be said, the gossip, the shunning. And God answers the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And her response is, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Her plans are given up. And we read a little bit later in the pregnancy, she writes a song. And if again, you could say these verses with me in in Luke 1. Sorry, Luke. Can we go to the next slide? There we go. Luke 1.46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Her response was worship. My soul magnifies the Lord. I point to Him. This is what it's about. 
She goes on to write, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. God intervened. She pointed to God. Just like Zechariah. We move to Joseph. So we see Zechariah and Elizabeth. We see Mary, Joseph, and Matthew 1. Again, his life is, is changed forever. An angel comes because he's found out Mary's pregnant. And he's trying to figure out what to do because that is, again, shame and scorn. And people are looking at him and he knows he's innocent. And he knows this is unfair and he's being unjustly accused. And the angel says, take her as your wife. Endure the comments. Endure the glances. Endure the scorn. In fact, you'll be the adopted father of Jesus. And you take him as your own and you raise him. And life was changed. And God intervened. And in Matthew 1, 24 and 25, we see his response. Please say this with me. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife and he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now Joseph's a little, little subtler than the others. We don't have a, a song. We don't have a, a wonderful act of praise. But what we have is obedience. And obedience is pointing back to Christ. And, and what's interesting, what does it say he named the son? Jesus. And we take that for granted. But Jesus was not a family name. This is not... Uh, he's giving up some of the, the right to name His firstborn Son His family name. And Jesus means Yahweh brings salvation. Yahweh brings salvation. And in His naming of this little baby Jesus, He is pointing back to Yahweh. And by His name, He gives up His rights and says this is about God. God worked. He obeyed and pointed to God. We go on and we have the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. One of our traditions is on Christmas morning we read the Christmas story in and, and different parts of it. Yesterday we read Luke 2 and I just want to read these verses according to tradition. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And then from there, the story goes on, and we get the next characters on the scene the shepherds and the angels and think about the angels for a minute they they are called by god to come down and announce the birth of messiah and and i don't know how much of god's plan god told them they're they're not omniscient they don't know god's mind but they're coming down to announce the messiah and it's a baby in a stable and and i don't know what god explained to them but it's amazing they had insight into this was god's work and so they come to the shepherds and the shepherds are afraid. It's a dark night. The light shines and they say, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news. And 
But I want to get to the end of what they said. And again, please say this with me in Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Even the angels on the scene, where do they point? That's right. That's right, Caleb. They point to God. Glory to God in the highest. Because this event is about what God is doing, not about what I'm going to enjoy. Not that we shouldn't enjoy Christmas. Not that we shouldn't have all the traditions. Oh man, it should be fun and it should be celebration and family. Always with an eye to who Christ is and what Christ has done. It's not an issue of one or the other. It's an issue of which one's most important and which one is pointing to what. Then we jump to the shepherds. Also in that same story, Luke 2. And I love verse 20. And John, if you can put that up. And let's say this one. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And we see the shepherds. And again, God interfered with their life. And they left their sheep. And who knows what happened to them. And they came and they saw the Savior. And they worshipped. And you couldn't shut them up afterwards. Because they just kept praising God. And they returned to their field and they're telling everyone their response to God interfering in their life was to praise God. God intervened. They pointed to Christ. We jump to Matthew and the Magi. A little bit of time later, and and we could talk about Simeon and Anna as well. They did the same thing. But the Magi, the wise men come and they follow the star. We don't know how long. Could have been months. um, Probably a number of months that they left home, packed up, and they follow this star. Think of the, the time. Think of the finances. Think of their their plans and their personal life that were now just given over to God. And they come. And in Matthew 2, we know that they said, Where is He who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw His star when it rose and have come to worship Him. And they came and they worshipped. And we read this when they came to the King. And let's read this together. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. No, not Frankenstein. What did they do? They worshipped. They pointed to Christ. God intervened. God worked. They pointed to God's glory. And I'm challenged by this part of the Christmas story because it's a reminder that this Christmas celebration, this season, isn't our Christmas. It's His Christmas. And then it's ours because He has allowed us to join in because He came as a baby, because God came as a human being and lived life and then 30-some years later died on the cross for our sins. That's why we can say it's our Christmas. And not that it's about our trappings. It's about His glory and what He's doing. Redeeming His sons and daughters to Himself and adopting us into His family. And so today, I ask you to think about every character in the Christmas story and how they responded and ask ourselves, do we respond the same way? Do we respond to this incredible gift of salvation 
by pointing our light back to Christ. That's what this Christmas should remind us of. In Matthew 5.16 it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Just in case we missed that Jesus wanted us to do that too, he said it. He said, this is what I want you to do. So how can we point to Christ today? You're about to leave here and probably go to family celebrations and, and, and different traditions. And family celebrations offer, often offer all kinds of opportunities to point to Christ or to not point to Christ sometimes. As you might be with people that don't know Christ with relatives, and there might be tension, and and I don't know what all is going on in families. But how are we going to today point to Christ? And remember, this is the whole point. And and this is why I like to be a little interactive. It's, It's Christmas morning, family service. Kids, you can answer too. Can we come up with some ideas? How can we do this? How can you do this practically today? How can you make sure that we're pointing to Christ? Any ideas? Hitting you with it cold. Yeah, you're all together for the prayer. Don't make it the same prayer that you pray every week, every day. Make sure you're intentional with that prayer. Good. Oh, there we go. Thanks. I'm like pointing. Yeah, what do you think? Praising God. God. Give me a high five. Yeah, praising God. So what if you like put in a Christmas song in your Christmas celebration? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, joy to the world, the Lord has come. These praise God. Great answer. Good. A couple more. Sing happy birthday to Jesus. That's an awesome thing to do, especially if you're a family with kids. Helps them tie in why we're really celebrating this. What was that? Having Christmas with family, celebrating that Jesus is God. Yeah, that's good. And always remembering that even as we get together with family. One more. Chuck. Read Luke chapter 2. Steal our tradition. Actually, I know a lot of you have the same tradition. Read Luke chapter 2. And, and do, do crazy things as a family to bring it home. Now, it depends on the age of our kids. When they were younger, we used to dress up and act it out. And they don't really do that as much anymore. <laughs> So now we have them read it or we talk about it. This year we talked about what Emmanuel meant as a family and just made that part of what we do. But read God's Word. Find ways. The, the, the point is find ways to intentionally point. To intentionally point to God. So let's ruin our personal Christmas today a little bit and make sure it's His Christmas. You know, one of the things that we do is we, we have a candle lighting cere- um, celebration as part of our service. I think there's baskets of candles in the back. Are there, Steve? Can we have some ushers help pass those out? And we'd like to pass those out because God never intended His light that came to be kept in a manger or to be kept to ourselves. He always intended us to share that with others, to point to His light and be conduits rather than cul-de-sacs, as Piper says. To be conduits of God's light and grace and mercy rather than cul-de-sacs. And so to remind ourselves, the ushers are passing out an individual candle. And in a moment, we'll light those from the Christ candle and we'll turn out the lights and we'll see just what can happen if we're shining a light to Christ, if we're pointing back to who He is. Afterwards, we'll we'll, we'll do some worship during that. After that, we'll um, read a responsive reading together from John 1. 
and just celebrate the light that has been born. The light, the light has come. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Even you and I were made through Jesus, and He is our light and life, even if things are challenging right now. O come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Oh, come, let us adore him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This baby that came gives us the opportunity to be saved and to be adopted into God's family. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. He was born to die and to save. He was born to love and to serve. Because of Him, sin does not have the upper hand. Because of Him, we know we are loved. And so we will love others with a love willing to sacrifice all and die for one another. Because He came to our world, we can live with Him for all eternity. Oh, come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. As we look at the lights that spread from the Christ candle, He is born. And by directing our our sight to God, by pointing others to Christ, light spread throughout the whole room. On Christmas Eve, it's darker and a little bit more of an effect. But you get the idea. This is a chance that we have to celebrate who Christ is and to remember today Light was born, and let's point to Him. Lord God, we praise You. We praise You for Your sovereign plan, Your wise plan, even though it may not have seemed that way to us or those at the time. Your loving plan. Lord, Your plan of grace and mercy to bring salvation to a lost and dark world. So Lord, we praise You because You are King of kings and Lord of lords, and You have saved us. Thank you for coming, becoming man, to bring salvation. Lord, may our day be about worshiping you, pointing to your light, giving glory to you, because you deserve all glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.